Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income, everybody. We are so excited to be here with you today. We did just go over, we were doing a $2,000 giveaway for going over 200,000 downloads on our podcast, and it is pretty excited. Um, so we actually surpassed that very quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was kind of funny. We're like, uh, maybe we should do another one. <laughs> it was like two weeks. And it was done. Uh, it was over, man. <laughs> so we thought we may have had a little more time to do a giveaway at a Provo, but we will be announcing the winner soon. Um, we're so excited. We want to thank everybody, you know, as we're, we're kind of building a community here. We're really trying to change our online presence. We're going into video now. We're actually looking to hire people to help us out with the video stuff to get more of this information out to you guys. Um, also, we are planning events. Um, so next year, we're planning events. I mentioned that because I had two people reach out to me today asking when our um, first event is going to be. And we're thinking about um, doing it probably next fall. Um, but I did have some people ask, I said, when are we doing a live like mastermind where everybody could go? And we, we've been tossing around these ideas because we do have the inner circle, right? That is kind of like a mastermind thing, but that's an, it's a monthly thing. And, and I just kind of want to explain to our community why we're doing some of these things that we're doing. Uh, I think it's important to note. So first of all, um, when starting out, instead of doing just the mastermind, it was always like, hey, you know, investing is a continual thing, right? It, the markets change, everything's changed. So we thought the inner circle, it would be every single month we're getting on the phone, we're doing stuff, we're active, we're looking at deals, we're doing education um, that could give us real time where I could actually sit down with you guys and we could really go in depth and we could talk and show you projects we're doing and underwrite projects that they were doing. And then the live event is we've decided to do two things, which we're, we're looking at hosting in Sun Valley, Idaho, which it'll be like a three-day event um, with activities and, you know, mountain biking, fly fishing, all sorts of cool stuff. We really want to make this high end and we really want to make this good. And the reason or the, what we're thinking about doing is doing a day with our current investors that are investing in our projects, which if you guys want to know more about that, go to uh, the site and there's a part you can just literally go in and say, hey, I want to invest with AJ. But we'll we'll do a day with them with this update, but then do like more of like an open session for two days where we bring in speakers and everything to talk on self-storage and to talk about what's going on in the economy, the asset class, how to run, how to find, all that kind of stuff. Um, this industry is, is, is broad and there's a lot to it. And we, I try to bring as all of you guys know, 
We, I have zero filter and I'm as transparent as it gets. <laughs> so we literally just give everything away on uh, the podcast and videos, everything that we're trying to do. So the thing though, that we have liked about the inner circle is it's a way to compact information, use examples, and really give a whole lot more in a way that I was surprised uh, about doing there. We could just dive obviously so much more when we're interacting with people and asking, answering questions. So that's been really good. And I think a live event would be great. This stuff is coming from your guys's feedback. So this is why I bring it up and this is why I address it. Cause you guys are reaching out to us a lot. Um, Instagram, go to AJ Osborne. You guys are messaging me. I, you know, it takes me a little while to get back, but I try to get back to every single person that messages us. So we're really trying to develop this out as, as we go. And, and that is based upon your guys' feedback. hundred percent. Yeah. That's kind of been one of the biggest, uh, I guess, growing pains with everything that we've got going on. Uh, we're doing a lot of really good work, really excited about it, but, um, we do have these, uh, things that we got to figure out as we go and, and figure out what processes work the best. And, um, there's a lot of moving pieces to, to deliver all this stuff to you guys. And, and, you know, we're happy to do it, but we got to get it figured out and, uh, make things happen. As, 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 I, as I like to remind you, we're just self-storage nerds. So yeah, this, that's this is a whole new territory. <laughs> Anything sure. about self-storage, we can tell you everything about. If you want to know about YouTube, that you know, that I got to call other people. We're not your guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, but with that, guys, that's just some housekeeping items for everybody out there. Are you know, really our community, um, and the amount of opportunities that have come from this has, has been awesome. So we just want to get you guys updated. With that, I do want to introduce uh, the last podcast we introduced our. I think it was last podcast, yeah, our yeah, newest sponsor. One. Yep, Live Oak Bank. We had them on the podcast. This was an extremely important sponsor to fill. We knew we wanted to bring somebody to the table that could help you guys, principally with financing. This is one of the main questions we get. There's a lot of confusion around it. And when it comes to financing, one of the most important pieces to this puzzle was we needed somebody that could help us um, – finance new deals and people that didn't feel capitalized in a really good way. Well, and somebody that knew storage as well. Yes. And and we needed a, a sponsor to partner that knew storage. And that that's Live Oak Bank. They are the number one in SBA loans for this industry. They are they know the industry inside and out. Um, they've come from a place of not of not financing, but actually on the building side in the metal fab fabrication side. And then they brought that in the banking part together. Um, and they're all over the country too. This was another really important thing for us. So I didn't want to have somebody that's like, yeah, we'll look at deals in Miami, New York, and Southern California outside that. And I guess the Bay Area and Seattle, you're on your own, right? That's not something that we wanted at all. We wanted somebody that's going to go into Oklahoma and underwrite deals and be a partner with you guys. And uh, Live Oak is is that in the industry. Um, they have a great reputation. So reach out to them. Their information's in there. Uh, and go back and listen to the podcast with them because it was really, really good. Tons of good info. Tons of good info. So with that, um, once again, you guys uh, as a community are driving a lot of our content. We're talking with you guys. I, I have calls with you guys daily, literally. Um, and uh, your messages online and, and a great 
uh, we had a great question. So why don't you kind of read out to the question, somebody that reached out to me on Instagram. Um, we'll kind of take a look at this and talk about, because it was, it was a great question and I kind of thought about it and I was like, I can't believe we haven't really dove into this. Yeah. Yeah. No, we haven't. And it's a, it's a super good question. I'll go ahead and just read the message here for everybody. It says, hi, AJ, I've listened to all your podcasts, but I haven't heard anything on when a storage facility warrants a full-time employee versus part-time and if there's typically a size that you see for one or the other, if it is a part-time or not an on-site, uh, wait a second, if it is a part-time or not an on-site employee, what's best practice for operating this kind of facility? Any help would be appreciated. Thanks in advance. So, um, you know, immediate, I immediately messaged him back. I was on my phone and I'm like, Wow. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't dove into this more. This is such yeah. a, a a really important piece that we need to go over and we need to talk about. So I, I want to get into – I want to clear up a few misnomers in the self-storage world, right? So um, there's a lot of buzz about manless facilities, okay? Um, the first thing that we have to get out of your mind is that there is such thing as a manless facility, as in it's not manned, right? There's nobody – there's no employees. Nobody's doing anything. That doesn't exist in the self-storage industry. Um, there may not be someone at that location all the time. That's totally different, though. So to think that you can run a facility from your phone, right, and never have anybody show up, um, that doesn't work. And it doesn't work from the standpoint, and I'll explain why right now because we got to get this off the bat. First of all, you have things like evictions. We have lock checks. We have different things like that that you have to do. Somebody has to clean out the unit. Someone has to look at repairs and maintenance. Someone has to go and actually, you know, when somebody leaves, we have to make sure that everything's been auctioned off. We have to make sure it's checked. We have to make sure that it's gone. Now, I'm not saying you need a full-time person at the site. There just seems to be a lot of confusion that you can automate a facility, and that mm -hmm. means you can sit in New York, and it can be in Pasagula, Mississippi, and you never have to see it, and no one ever has to go to it. Like it's right. a website or something. <laughs> I um, think that's where the discrepancy is, yeah. is that, that that definition of what automation actually means. Yes. Um, I mean, and to those points too, I mean, we've got to have people there. Uh, there's all kinds of activities going on at storage facilities yeah. that shouldn't be. Uh, yes. That you, you got to have people there yeah. to, you know, make sure that stuff is, is safe, place. secure. Um, yep. People aren't doing things they shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, things happen. Buildings burn down. Things happen. I mean, Weeds, floods happen. You got to It's, it's an <laughs> asset, right? Exactly. You, and you need to take care of this. So when we say automation, let me be very clear what we're talking about. We're talking about streamlining the onboarding process of a tenant. So for us, we were one of the first facilities in the world, Travis, beat us by like two weeks. He was on the podcast too. I'm, I'm never going to let this down. Uh, no, you can't. I'm never. I can't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, congratulations, Travis. But uh, it, it truly automated from a standpoint of onboarding people. What that means is that someone could come into our facility. They could. So if you were in California and you were moving to another state that had our facility, you could rent your unit from that city. You could drive up to our facility, access the gates, access your unit, leave, right? Never, ever meet with another person ever and then get your stuff and move out and check out, right? So then the question becomes, then why do you need a person? Okay, now this is a perfect example. So in this where you we've 
automated the onboarding process or automated that side for a tenant. Okay. That works very well. Now we have everything from maintenance, we have cleanup. And then after that person leaves, we have to have things checked, right? So they need to come. The unit has to be prepared for the next tenant. They got to sweep it out. They got to clean it. Um, they've got to verify. Then they have to overlock it, which in this case, it should be automated, but we have to go make sure that the unit's door's actually been shut, right? And it'll show up on our system if not. So there's all these, these different parts of that. Now, that's not also counting the fact that we're assuming that that was a perfect rental, that it never became vacant. So at our facility, which these are large facilities, I we're at 140,000 square feet on this one, right? We have two full-time employees there. Um, so now this brings up the question after we've cleared this up. Okay, there's different ways to manage and operate these. When does it justify having full-time, part-time? What, is, what does that look like? Um, this is a art, okay? more than a science. I don't want people to be like, you told me. So um, <laughs> AJ, gonna, said. AJ said, so we, we really need to break this down um, because it is such a good question and so important. One of the things that we look at is we look at the task. So we're big on policies and procedures, optimizing, streamline, having a plan that everything needs to take place. You should be because there's laws that dictate most of those things right? Including auctions and including when we can charge and all that kind of stuff. So um, when we're looking at that tenant and at that life cycle, you have two things that you need to keep in mind. So you have the management part and then you have the sheer size. These are the things that I think you need to look at when deciding when it's appropriate and for how much it's appropriate. This varies dramatically. So not dramatically, it's not like you're getting a hundred employees or none. So not, not dramatically, but it, each location does dictate its own, uh, um, needs. So we have some storage facilities that are, um, you know, completely all indoor. They're all climate controlled storage. Now we have some facilities that are all drive up. Um, we have some facilities that are for the customer side, it's automated. We have other ones that are not, it's traditional locks. We have big facilities, small facilities, third-tier markets, and first-tier markets. So when I'm looking at the size, that is the first notion to tell me if I'm going to need a person, right? If you're over 80,000 square feet, um, you're going to need somebody there. Um, and there's a reason. And, and we've looked at different models, and I've seen some stuff come out for facilities that are over that, that um, price range and the and not having a manager in it. We um, usually buy those. Yeah, we usually buy those. <laughs> because what we found is they're not they're not um they're not yet up to par in maximizing the sales process to get the people uh to get that per revenue tenant up. Now, I'm not saying that it's not there yet, but what instead they do is they contract uh, they contract out with another employee. Now, this is also very important for small facilities, I think it's almost impossible to have a full-time manager and be successful. I just don't, it, the numbers don't make sense. Mm -hmm. That's how I got started. So what we did is we had to contract out, we either had a part-time employee or I contracted out with a third party that would come do all those different processes. They do lock checks, they do drive-bys, they do maintenance, they would do the cleaning out of the unit and get it ready for a resale and then upload it into the system that it was ready to go. Um, because it only had whatever, 50, 60 units. It didn't, it, 
it's not even that it didn't, the person, the size was so small that it didn't justify, but I couldn't have afforded one. So it didn't matter. Um, so that <laughs> wasn't the, even an option. Exactly. It was not an option. <laughs> so, uh, that's where we look at having small facilities, having un, I don't want to say manned, but having a non on-site employee limited, limited, that is absolutely not only the, how it will be moving forward, but I don't know how you operate it without that. You need to have contracted out, once again, part-time or you work. If you're in small cities, real estate agents are great to work with. Like you can contract out with, we've used towing companies where we did the training, right? And so they would come to our site. It, so you got to adapt to the circumstances that you're in. Now, the technology from that we've used and we've talked about, like Noki and Janus, that really helps this stuff out obviously a lot because you have the data in control. So I can see now what's going on in my facility. So I know if that person that I'm hiring is actually doing things. I'm looking to see this person hasn't paid. The unit shows that it's full. Where are we at the auction process? Which is another thing we do all online now. That is all done online because I don't want people showing up at the site and having a big ordeal because I got to hire somebody to go do that. So the more you can automate, right? these processes, the less work that has to be done on the ground at the facility. So small facilities that have less revenue, right? You need to figure out a way to make sure that you streamline a lot of these processes because you need to keep that, um, that amount that you have to pay for somebody to go in, to be working at the facility, to do things that have to be done, right? Um, we haven't figured out a way to have robots clean out our units yet. I'm not saying it won't happen, but not yet. And so you need those tasks to be done, but you need to limit the amount that needs to be done because that cuts immediately into your revenue. Uh, and your our, time. And your like time crazy. and everything else. And everything else, yeah. So um, now as you get bigger, though, the that revenue starts to get much larger. A lot of our facilities make over a million dollars a year. And um, when we look at that revenue, the amount of work that two employees do at those facilities is huge. Tons. I mean, it is just every day people are showing up. They need help. They want help. And it's lots of people. Mm -hmm. It's not one. Well, that's just the administrative side too. Yeah. Where, I mean, you have these door issues, gate issues. Um, I mean, structural issues. I mean, you've got all these things that could be going on happening. It's yeah. There's, there's a lot of things there's going on. There's a lot of things going on at that place. We would never not have employees there. Um, and when I look at that, our ability to have an onsite person that can sell somebody, that can get somebody in immediately, that can upsell them, that knows how to use our systems, that can fix things immediately. That cost means nothing to me. It means nothing because problems are expensive. Well, it's, Units that are offline exactly. are expensive. I was going to say it, it's not even really labeled a cost. It's more of looking at it as an investment, like you're investing yes. in someone being there to ensure that your investment is yeah. actually performing and, and getting you those returns that you're going exactly. after. Not only just today and you know the next few months, but you know 30 years down the road, you've got a good facility that's maintained. It's up and running. You have policies, processes, procedures in place. Um, and hopefully you've compounded and you've gotten your, 
you know, several other facilities going. I mean, you're, you've got to get these structures in place um, as you continue to grow. And, and we do a lot of training with our employees. Mm-hmm. We train them. We want them to be good at sales. We want them. We have checklists that they have to go through that they have to do. Our employees are assets to us. And we can we can make a better running business at that size. So you can see how big of a change I just went through. So when I'm talking small facilities, I'm like, I don't even know how you make it with a, with an employee. Then when we talk about big employees, uh, big facilities, I'm like, this is no longer an expense. It's an asset. And they're extraordinarily valuable to the underlying business. Um, that's a big switch, right? Mm-hmm. So this art now of finding when you need to make that switch, I would call that a gradual one. Obviously, the first thing you would do is go to a part-time person. Now, you need to be working with them and making sure that you are maximizing their time. Okay, if you're you you should never have employees that are sitting around. We buy facilities, um, and the employees sixty percent of the day are doing nothing, which is why we're buying them. And those facilities have massive upside potential for us, and that's usually the first thing that we notice when we're getting a really good deal. It's because the business isn't being operated, the people aren't trained, and they're just kind of going to a default of doing as little as possible. Um, That's where we come in and we maximize. Our employees are busy. They are trained and they are good at what they do. We don't have any employees that are sitting around. It's just they're not going, man, this is a really boring job. (laughs) It's Mm. not what we get. They they have checklists. They have uh, uh, policies, procedures. They're doing work on the computer. It's the opposite. We We have to provide backup help. And this is where I come into how you provide help on the employment side for your employee. One of the main things we do is call centers, right? Because our employees are out with customers. They're out fixing things. They can't be on that phone 24-7. Yet every call that we miss is a miss of a sell. So we have our frontline employees and backline, okay? Now, we also have our corporate employees as well. But when you're talking about an individual facility, if I had a small facility, I would absolutely have a call center, Okay. You want someone professional that is going to take those calls, which, by the way, I think you should take the calls if it's your first facility. Um, I was just talking to my friend Cameron about this, and he's fielding all the calls. In fact, um, he was part of our, our inner circle or our coaching thing, and he's we were on the phone, and he's like, hold on. He's like, hey, hold on. I got a call coming in from the facility. I'm like, great, take it. Took it. Trying to make that sell, right? Now, he's going to not be doing that, obviously, um, but through this process, he's learning. And that's really important. You need to know uh, what you expect at your call center. You need to know what you're facing as an employee so you can build out systems to say, listen, if you get a call like this, this is the route you go, right? If you get a call like this, here's the route you go. Here's how you get the sell. Here's how you upsell. Here's how you announce yourself. Here's how you represent yourself, right? All those things. Now, professional call centers in the storage industry, they do a lot of that. That really helps you out, especially with a small facility, because you want to look just as professional as the big one down the road. You want, when they call, for you to almost seem like there's a full-time manager in there, and a call center can be a great ally in that. Um, And then you can contract out with someone to come and do on-site work. So when you get a mix of all three of these things, and I mean customer automation, the customer's process automating through, which once again, it's a 
great time to mention our sponsor, Janice Noki, because we talk about them all the time, uh, just from the standpoint of that customer automation process, which they do a great job of because their product allows those customers to rent, get in, and use it. Now, a lot of people are saying, and this is the sponsor part, so a lot of people are saying, but if I'm already building a facility, this used to be a problem, but now they have battery-operated ones that can latch right onto the side and connect with the door, and that can be installed, and the battery lasts for three years. So um, you need to get directly their pricing, but it's usually like two to 300 bucks a door. Um, obviously, that depends. You need to contact them, but that's really useful for a small facility. Um, so if you can automate, once again, back to this, the process of the customer and then make sure your back end for small facilities are streamlined. Okay. So what happens when somebody moves out? How are auctions handled? Who's checking? Who's getting that unit back online as soon as possible? The day, like we just want it done immediately, right? Who's fixing issues? Who's there cleaning and presenting? If your facility is not well lit and it is not presented well, you're going to lose a lot of sales and you're going to get lower paying tenants. You need somebody to make sure that it looks good, that it's on par with the offering that you're making, right? If your online offering and your physical offering, if those two things aren't connected, customers are going to be unhappy customers and you're going to get turn turnover, which kills your lifetime value of your customer, which that's the real metric that you need to look at. We'll go over that another time. Uh, but <laughs> that's a small topic. That's we'll, a small topic. We'll, we'll completely go over. Couple so hours, you know, when you're doing this though, if you have that set up, it's much easier to scale because now you have this all built out. And as you get bigger facilities, or even if you're growing and expanding that facility to bring somebody on board full time, you already have a lot of the things in place to make sure that you don't have to get too much labor built into that revenue. Now, that is a decision you need to make by looking at your finances at the point of where you shouldn't have anybody there, right? And the point where you need not only one person, but you need multiple full-time people. Where that point is depends, once again, size and management and obviously revenue. So those three things will dictate the need. So many people, though, and I want to be very clear, they cheap out on this and they lose revenue. It's not worth it to get lower revenue and sell less units because you don't want to hire a part-time person. The math never adds up, right? If you have a big enough facility. Once again, small facilities are what they are. You can't do it. Um, so don't go up to a big facility, have an overworked manager, and then have days where your facility shut down, which I see a lot and they're not getting new tenants in, and somebody else has a call center, fully staffed, they're doing upsells, selling multiple products, they have multiple revenue centers, um, and they're just blowing their competitors out of the water. And uh, uh, that's a huge opportunity cost for you. So make sure you analyze these things well and don't cheap out, so to speak. Look and see. Then track metrics. I'm going to get on another podcast. We'll do exactly how to manage employees. Okay. That's, that's not this one, uh, or this will just get huge and go on forever because as you can tell, I like to talk. So, um, when we're going through this though, you need KPIs, key performance indicators. You need to be tracking, um, those employees. I have a full-time person on staff that handles quality, uh, control 
quality assurance. Um, that's Sarah at our, in our corporate office. And she's awesome at that. She's looking at all the numbers. She's looking at collections and we audit our facilities and our managers, right? We want to know what they're doing. We want to know what's happening and we expect results. Um, so KPIs will help you justify that labor and help you see that return on those investment dollars. If I missed anything, I'm sure I have. I think that's a huge, <laughs> um, uh, a huge value for anybody that has that question. Because um, again, it, it's a really good question. Uh, you know, when to hire people, who to hire, how to hire. And again, not only doing it for the now, but like you're saying, for the scalability process after the fact, having these things um, these infrastructures built out to be able to build upon as you continue to grow, hugely important. And uh, I think with that, dude, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, that's a lot of information, everybody. I hope that was super helpful. Um, as we mentioned at the first of the podcast, you know, I kind of give out everything on this podcast. <laughs> and um, uh, that's not kind of, we do. We don't hold back and we tell everything and we're answering your guys' question. And we try to produce as much value to you guys as absolutely possible. And uh, um, that's our standard. And we expect to do that in everything from events to all the other stuff we're doing. And um, we love it. So I hope this is helpful, everybody. Keep bringing those questions. AJ Osborne on Instagram, if you're on there. Come on there. I'm getting back to everybody. Selfstorageincome.com. That'll give you the opportunity to go on there if you want to invest with us, if you want to talk to us, anything like that, email us. Um, the Inner Circle stuff's on there. And we're going to keep bringing products. We're going to keep bringing more value to you guys. That is a huge push that we're doing. Thank you, everybody. You're awesome. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye.